Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Market Talk. We're joined by Chris Moore, the Chief Executive of The Clink, and also Ross Gibson, Sales Director at PFR. Uh, welcome to you both. Thanks for, thanks for joining us this week. Um, Chris, we'll, we'll begin with you, um, Chief Executive of The Clink. Uh, you've, you've worked for more than a decade now. Um, you know, it's safe to say that the past year has, has been unprecedented for, for everybody. You're in the unique position of obviously being a charity, but also a hospitality business because um, you provide restaurants and cafes at several prisons in the, in the UK. Just tell us how the last year has, has been for you on, on, on those two fronts. Well, it was certainly one that we, we weren't expecting, obviously. Um, if you go back to January 2020, um, nobody knew what COVID was and um, social distancing was probably avoiding a friend and Zoom was a function on your camera and Corona was a pale lager from Mexico and was something your clock made. So who could, who could have forecast it? But as of uh, next Wednesday, the 23rd, some of our staff would have been off for a whole year uh, on furlough. Um, just a totally uh, different way, everyone working from home. Uh, we had to suspend all our training at all our 11 sites around the country, but we were able to evolve in that time. And um, whilst um, our, some of our training had to cease in prison, uh, in Brixton prison, we were allowed to come back in to support the hardworking prison staff. And we developed a brand and a service called Clink and Collect, uh, which was staff meals for prison staff. So they could actually come to the restaurant, pick up a takeaway lunch and go and uh, eat it uh, in their office or, or, or outside, um, which actually meant we could train up to eight prisoners a day and they could continue with their training. Normally we would have trained 30, but at least we were doing something. And due to the success of that, we uh, launched Clink at Home, which is a home delivery service. So we've managed to continue all the way through. But the, the real growth area because of the lockdown has actually been our community work. We have over 140 Clink graduates who've been living out, who've been released from prison, um, some furloughed, some homeless, some losing their jobs. So we set up a COVID support fund and to date we've raised around £60,000, which has been used to pay for emergency accommodation when people have been released from prison with nowhere to live, uh, food parcels, paying utility bills, and just helping them stay in the community and not, not re-offend. So we've learned a lot of new things. Um, it has been a challenge and having a reduced <coughs> team as well. We're, we've all been doing a whole host of things. And uh, during the summer last year, one day a week, I was driving the delivery van down to our farm in HMP Stend, picking up the cabbages and the tomatoes and the eggs and driving them up to Brixton Prison. And it's quite refreshing for a change, actually, but very, very different to my normal day job. Well, yeah, so it sounds like it's been a, been a busy year despite despite those challenges. Um, I, I know you're doing a, a, a lot of work in terms of expanding the training side, which we're, we're going to come on to shortly. I'll just bring Ross into the conversation. Um, obviously, Chris there reflected on what, what the past year has been has been like for him and, and you know, encountering different things than what we would normally be used to. What is it? What has it been like for you, given the opening and closing of the hospitality industry? Yeah, a similar story. Obviously, not as challenging perhaps for Chris, um, but it's coming up just on a year since Boris made that announcement that the hospitality industry was closing. Um, mm. I think it was a year to the day he told us to avoid pubs and restaurants, which uh, seems like a distant lifetime ago. Um, for us, the hospitality business lights went out pretty much overnight. I mean, we were talking, you know. Pretty serious. But we were very lucky that a couple of our brands are well suited to online retail. Um, and that took off. Uh, we saw the summer with strong sales in pizza equipment because people were 
cooking outside. And I think a lot of restaurants are also pivoting towards that uh, takeaway market. And I'm pleased to say the Brits uh, saw us through drinking at home with cocktail kits and that kind of thing. Um, so we ended up having an okay year. Uh, obviously, hospitality very bad, retail very good. So it evened itself out quite nicely. Good, good. Good stuff, Ross. So uh, recently, you guys have added uh, Spido Cook to your uh, uh, your portfolio of brands. So could you kind of just tell us how that came about? Because uh, it's a contact grill brand, isn't it? It certainly is. That's right. Yeah. So uh, talking about the, the negative, I suppose, uh, first, um, last year was a tough year for some of our partners and PFL were a victim of that. So we lost a couple of contracts um, due to the pandemic. But uh, there was one that was planned to end uh, at the end of the year, and that was Unox. We've been working with Unox for a few years, uh, the Unox Group. They were obviously acquired by um, Unox UK, they were acquired by the Unox Group uh, it was back in the last year. And we started to see some serious investment in that company. Uh, and it meant that you know, we were no longer required, which was planned and very amicable. But as part of that, Speedo Cook is owned by the Unox Group, um, and, but a separate management company. Um, so separate, man separate management team, separate strategy all around the globe. So they've been trying to take Speedo Cook out of the Unox setup all around the globe. And the UK was one of the last territories to do that. Uh, Gary Nunn at Unox very kindly recommended us to Speedo Cook. Um, so it's all fallen together quite nicely. And that deal was signed uh, in January and we took over uh, the import rights for uh, March the 1st. So we'll, uh, well, where we go. <laughs> cool, we'll come back to you on that one. I'll just go back to Chris for now. Um, so the big news from the clink is that you're expanding to about 70 different prison kitchens. So can you kind of talk us through that, how you're scaling up your operation to be able to cope with that? Sure, yes. Well, to date, we've been uh, operating and delivering training in four fine dining restaurants in prisons. We have three gardens where we're growing our produce and teaching horticulture. And then we have our events business in central London, where we're partnering with Centrepoint to train, train the uh, homeless students as well. But to do all that training, we've had to invest £7 million worth of philanthropic gifts over the last 10 years. And um, we can train around 500 students a year. Um, but in order to change more lives, we'd have to build more restaurants. I mean, we just can't keep going out and having that level of investment that people have been very generous to get us to this stage. So um, we were set the challenge about four years ago is how can you replicate the kink and scale it up um, to, to change more lives? And we came up with the model of clink kitchens. In the England and Wales, there's 105 prisons and they all have prison kitchens with lots of fantastic equipment, well-maintained. They're cooking 80,000 prisoner meals a day, and there's about 2,000 men and women who are serving prisoners cooking those meals. But the vast majority of them, whilst they're very proficient in cooking the meals and being trained by the prison service, um, not all of them gain qualifications. So the clink is set out to change that and to replicate the uh, five-step integrated program uh, that we deliver through our existing projects within the prison kitchens. So we'll be putting a chef trainer into each prison kitchen and they will be uh, training up to about 80% of the prisoners uh, who are currently working there. They will all be in their last six to 18 months of their sentence and we'll train them up uh, delivering training for uh, City and Guilds MVQ levels one and two in food production. But the key thing with our programme is three months before release, our support workers will come in 
sit with them, find out uh, have they got somewhere to live when they're released, have they got a bank account, have they got a CV, what would they like to do? And then we'll meet them at the gate on the day of release and we'll help that reintroduction back into society, introduce them to employers. Um, we used to say at this stage that um, the, the hospitality industry is the fourth largest employer with a major skill shortage. Um, so I think uh, we're in a little bit of a different place a year on, sadly. I believe it will come back. But in the short term, as if we can get these men and women into employment, whether it's in the hospitality industry or not, um, just to come out and be work ready, will transform their lives and dramatically reduce reoffending. So we're going to go to, uh, we're in three sites already uh, with the Clink Kitchens model. First of April, COVID restrictions uh, permitting, we will roll out to another uh, 14 prisons this year. And then we'll scale up to be in 70 prisons on top of the existing eight we're in already uh, in three years time. Wow. Okay. That way we'll be able to train 2000 men and women a year um, as opposed to 500. Okay. Chris, when you look at the public sector, we, we, we sort of hear an awful lot about the level of investment that's going in to say that the, the NHS and healthcare kitchens and, and food development and so on. Um, when it comes to prison kitchens, obviously, you know, the, the, the defenders that are training and those are doing that with a view to then getting jobs in hospitality. Are, are those kitchens reflective of what they would see in the industry? Very much so, yes. I mean, some of the prisons um, are up to a thousand men and women, so they're cooking a thousand hot meals a day. And there's big banks of um, combi ovens, uh, uh, brat pans, double boilers, and they are very well-equipped industrial kitchens. So it's a great place for the men and women training in those environments to get the experience. And also, um, you, you mentioned, Ross, about the, the Unox ovens and things. You can't just sort of walk up to an oven like that and just turn it on. You need to know how to, to program it, respect it, clean it, um, read the water filter to see when it needs changing. And it's all teaching all those sort of things. So when these students go out, with their MBQs into the workplace, they're, they're employable and they work ready. They're, they're not frightened by the equipment and, and they, they feel at home in that environment. I, I know as well from, I think from reading on your website and from, from seeing presentations that you've given over the year, you, you've, you've talked about um, the, the impact you have in terms of reducing that, that re-offending rate. And I think that the last number I saw was, was about 32%. Um, I don't know if that's still correct, but, but how important is that figure to, to, to what you do and what you stand for? It's everything that we stand for. The whole reason of what we do is to reduce reoffending. Sadly, in England and Wales, 48% of adults released from prison go back to prison within the first 12 months. And over five years, 75% of them will go back. So the clink was set up to break that cycle. And whilst, yes, it's very nice running the training restaurants, having good TripAdvisor reviews and, and, and getting uh, the public along to support us, it's only worth doing if we're reducing reoffending. So <laughs> something that we've taken very seriously, and for the, uh, there's been three separate um, research projects. Now there's the Justice Data Lab with the MOJ did some research. Their last report was in July 2019. And what they did was looked at our students through the time they were training with us, and more importantly, the first 12 months on the outside. And what they found was that um, uh, our uh, men and women had, in, during that time frame, had a 22%, sorry, 15% reoffending rate. And they took an identical match cohort of students, same crime, same length of sentence, who hadn't been through our program, and they had a 22% reoffending rate. So a 32% improvement of an identical prisoner going through the clink. 
And actually in Brixton, during that same time frame, we reduced the chances of men going through the Brixton programme by 65.6%. Um, so it, you know, it's absolutely key. And it, we would only keep going if we know we're being effective and we can get these men and women into work. Mm. Okay. Good stuff. That's really super positive. Um, so Ross, coming back to you then, um, a, a lot of your brands at the moment uh, from PFR, they're quite uh, on the light equipment side of things. So was that a, a, a definitive strategy to move towards uh, that side or is it just how it's happened? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, it, it, happy accident, I suppose, in the start. I mean, Andy came back from uh, an NRA show in Chicago when we were very young, 2015, and said, I've got a factory. Said, okay, what is it? You know, combi ovens, car grills? No, it's knives. Said, Not sure that's where it's made. You know, our background is heavy equipment. Um, but it's been a joy. Um, a great friend to have that's Mercer that started off on that sort of uh, that road. Um, and it really suits our model. Quick turnover of product, high quality product. Um, because we know we're not a typical, um, or haven't been a typical importer. We've been working the rep model, which is where dealers trade directly with the manufacturer. I'm going to go back on that now because Speedo cooked our latest edition. We are the master importer. Um, the number of reasons for that. Um, but we think it's time to give that, uh, that model a try as well, to give it a mix. So dealers will be trading directly with us uh, on the speed of cooked products. Um, well, yeah, so are you kind of moving in that direction then, uh, being the, the master distributor for, for brands? Or, or um, again, is this just a legacy of uh, your work with uh, Unox? Yeah, certainly a legacy. Um, Unox UK were the importer, has been working for them. Um, I think it would, you know, it's just, speed of cooked has been perhaps a small part of their portfolio. They've been concentrating on combi ovens, that kind of thing. Um, it needs a bit more uh, attention on the brand itself. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of as giving the important model a try. Um, it's something we said we wouldn't do, but we think the timing's, the timing's good. Again, given the legacy, we shouldn't have a problem uh, carrying that through. Ross, have you, have you seen much change um, in the business since the, the kind of the roadmap was announced and there was a clear time frame put out there for when the hospitality industry can reopen? Absolutely. The, the way I said about the... The, the lockdown happening first time around it almost overnight. The same thing has happened since Boris announced the, the roadmap to reopen. Um, almost overnight, inquiry levels went through the roof. Uh, we're seeing orders for products we wouldn't normally sell um, at this time of year, particularly for, for outdoor use. Um, so very encouraging. Um, projects that have been put on hold at the back end of 2020, coming back into fruition, orders being placed for those. So. Yeah, you know, it seems to be coming back. Let's hope we can hit those dates and, and get open. Yeah. At least, uh, yeah. And Chris, is that the same for you? Are you now planning for the reopening? If we, if we talk specifically about the, the, the prison restaurants that the public can, can access, you're, you're getting ready to reopen those as soon as you can? We are. Obviously, the, uh, we've got the, the dates at the moment for England, um, being the, the 17th of May. Um, but obviously, the prisons have then got to go through another process about letting the public back in. Uh, and the families and the visits. So I envisage two of our sites will probably be a little bit later than that date. Um, it, uh, our restaurants which are located outside the wall in, one is style in Manchester, we possibly could open on that date. And Wales is yet to still announce when they're going to be opening the restaurants, but it looks as if it may again be around that time. So I would hope by the, the 1st of June, uh, we'll be able to restart some form of training at all times. Good stuff. Fingers crossed for that one. Um, so in terms of the actual uh, kitchens, uh, especially the ones that you're kind of moving into, 
uh, are you intending to kind of uh, push for any equipment upgrades or are the facilities or the existing facilities tip top as it is? Well, this is the great thing about the project is that um, the kitchens are fully uh, functioning, very well maintained with excellent equipment. So the clink can just come in and focus on the training. Whereas over the past 11 years, we've been very reliant on the very generous support of many, many suppliers of, of catering equipment to get us uh, to a stage where our students can work with the very latest equipment, either through, either through donating it or heavily uh, discounting it. So I want to say thank you very much to everyone that's helped us with that uh, during our, our last 10 year journey. Um, but the next phase is really just utilizing and using uh, the equipment that's already there in, in the prison kitchen. So we won't have that responsibility, um, but, but we're still uh, updating and upgrading our existing equipment in our four restaurants uh, probably on a very regular basis. And I would back that up, uh, lucky enough to visit a clean prison uh, at Brixton. The, the level of the kitchen was superb. As good as anything you can see on, well, better than anything you can see on the high street. Mm. Level of fabrication, level of equipment, it's really top notch. Mm. As it's fresh one, by the way, it's a superb mm. Thank you. Awesome stuff. Um, coming back to you then, Ross, um, I'm going to mention the horrible B word, Brexit, because uh, <laughs> some, some of your brands come from the continent. So has that uh, uh, disrupted the supply at all? Or are you kind of moving towards the American brands to kind of push them? Or how has it gone for you guys? Honestly, it's become a, a global issue. Uh, and I think it's a mix of Brexit and COVID, unfortunately. I have to mention that word as well. Um, but yeah, the, the European guys have had a tough time for sure. Um, but the nice thing is obviously a little bit closer. So it doesn't have as much impact with, with time lengths. Um, we're, we're seeing issues with, with containers from Asia as well. Uh, and the US, just hard to get hold of and very expensive. Uh, we're lucky that we're not wholly responsible for that, but obviously it has an impact and knock on on our, our business here and of course our distributors' businesses. Touch wood, I would say not been too bad and things are improving, so we hope to see that continue. What's the next step for you now, Ross, with the, with the business sort of moving forward? Do you, um, you know, you're expecting to get out and about more in the marketplace? Will you be involved in, you know, doing more events um, and, and almost trying to get back to where we were. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that. I mean, we're, obviously, we've, we've become accustomed to these Zoom calls and they're very effective. You, know, you can do so much more uh, in a day uh, talking to your customers on Zoom than, than driving around the country. So I wouldn't be, although I still want to see my customers face to face, of course, I won't be um, too unhappy if it's a mix of Zoom and, and Teams or whatever it is as well. Um, but yeah, we're certainly keen to get back out there, start showing the products. There were tons of products launched last year that we didn't get a chance to uh, really talk about face to face. Mm. Um, with regard to exhibitions, yes, uh, we have got some planned. We're planned in um, at the back end of the year um, for commercial kitchen, um, and we'll be at host. I'm sure if that goes ahead. Uh, there's a NAFAM in the states if we can travel that we'll, we'll be at. So yeah, very much part of our mix as far as marketing. Um, we just hope it can happen. Yeah, that's right. Think, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, certainly keen to get out and see some customers again. That's, that's really yeah, cool. sure. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody's everybody's feeling that way, aren't they? Now it's it's kind of time to yeah reengage physically. Um, Chris, just to come back to you again, just to, to focus on the on the clink side. Um, as I said at the beginning, I think you joined the organisation in, in two thousand and ten. Right. Um, how how has how has it changed in terms of the <clears throat> excuse me um 
the appetite from inmates to be involved with the with the program? Do you, do you find yourself oversubscribed with people looking to get trained, or is it, is it hard to convince offenders to, to be part of it? No, I mean the um, it's changed dramatically. When I joined, we had one restaurant uh, in Highdown, and uh, we were training around seventeen prisoners at a time. Uh, we can now train two hundred and twenty a day uh, over eleven sites, and we, we've widened the um, the offer. But the uh, the way we recruit. Uh, the prisoners or try and engage with them is um, they have to fulfill a certain criteria so six to 18 months left to serve they must be uh, the prison must be happy and that they're safe to work with the public and that they can read have a basic level of education and uh, they're keen and willing we only want people as a volunteering but um, we're, we're not short at all of volunteers because actually the clink doesn't look or feel like prison even though it's in prison so you can come and work in an environment for eight hours a day um, with uh, a team of trainers who've all come from the hospitality industry, um, meet the customers and they can sort of forget where they are. But it's also, I believe, recreating the workplace on the outside or how it would be on the outside. So we're helping uh, by not taking prisoners so far away from society that they can't be reintroduced back into it. Because normally if you trained in prison, you train between nine and 11 in the morning, then between 11 and one, be locked in your cell probably by yourself to have your lunch and then come out for two hours in the afternoon. So that's a 20 hour working week with a 10 hour siesta, um, isn't really getting you work ready. So coming down in an environment for eight hours a day, also sitting around as a, a trainee staff team and having your lunch together before service, um, I think really helps. And whilst they get their MDQs and their academic qualifications, I think just as importantly, they're getting their soft skills. So they're getting confidence and motivation. They're proud of what they do and they're learning to work as part of the team. And it's really good to see the students change their identity during the time they're with us. And rather than their identity being their crimes or their past or how many times in prison, their identity becomes the hope for the future or how many units they've completed towards their MDQ level two. <clears throat> so it's great to see how they flourish and uh, really uh, warm to the industry. Mm, yeah, very rewarding. Good stuff. Um, we're, we're coming towards the end of our time together, but I'll ask one quick question for both of you. I'll start with Chris. What are your aims then for the rest of the year? How, how do you hope that the clink finishes the year? Um, well, we want to get back to training because that's what we do. Um, so uh, quite a lot of our students uh, that stopped training a year ago have now been released and we've been supporting them and helping them uh, get back into society. Others would have moved around the prison estate. So we are hopeful that the academic year starts on the 1st of April within the prisons, that we can register as many students as possible to get them to gain their qualifications and the experience they need so that when they are released, they can come out and get jobs and be contributed to society. Wonderful. And same thing for, for you, Ross. What are the aims of PFR for the rest of the year? Honestly, to try and get back to where we were, uh, particularly in, in Horeca, in, in hospitality. Um, you know, there are tons of new products to talk about and we just want to get out there and see our customers and uh, reconnect some of those, um, those friendships that we have. Good stuff. Okay. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much, Ross. Uh, that's the end of this week's Market Talk and we look forward to seeing everybody next week for another episode. Bye. <laughs>